So first of all, it's about making it really, really easy for yourself. And that's by automating as much as you can. So making sure that you always have a business bank account that is separate from your own. You have all of your invoices and all of your payments going in and out of that bank account. So everything's contained really, really nicely. So it's not so much to go through. That has an automated feed going into your software. So something like I said before, like Zero, QuickBooks, and then you invoice from that system. So again, you're just cutting down the number of times that you're duplicating the same task. When you record it on something like that, you can then see very easily who owes you money. So it's about just setting up those fundamental cheap systems. The zero monthly cost is only about 30 quid. And I've met people who've been using Excel and making life extremely hard for themselves. And they're going, oh, I don't really want to spend 30 quid on my business. And, you know, it feels like a waste of money. If you're worried about spending 30 quid on zero, that is actually the least of your problems. You know, it's like you're in business, you're showing up. So start taking your business systems seriously. And welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. On today's episode, I'm chatting to Deborah Edwards. Deborah is an expert in finance, a trained business coach, and accountant to leading UK entrepreneurs. She supports companies of one as they navigate the business ups and downs, as well as sitting on the boards of leading UK businesses, supporting them to do amazing things like raise over a million pounds from investors. Deb has been featured on podcasts with the Financial Times Consumer Money Editors, Richard Branson's ex-lawyer, and in startup magazines. What Deb loves to share most is the art of the possible when it comes to the potential of your business. Today, I'm going to be asking her all about business finance, obviously, but crucially for you, if you are ignoring your finances as a small business owner, we're going to be discussing why that needs to stop. So welcome to the podcast, Deb. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. But let's dive straight in because we've got lots to cover when it comes to finance. And I know that it's a hot topic for so many people. So what is the most common problem that you see when it comes to small business owners and their finances? So the most common problem is really simple and straightforward. People just aren't making enough money for the amount of time that they're putting into their businesses and they just don't have enough cash to show for it and they're quite often working all the hours of the sun. So we can talk about it being a kind of finance problem, but actually it's more of an outcome problem and it's the finances that are the key to making things better. So that sounds really straightforward. Is this an easy problem to fix? It is. And this is what makes everything so frustrating because if you're of the mindset that finances can be simple, easy and fun, then they absolutely can be. I mean, I've got some great clients who really gamify finances and see it as a, you know, sometimes a bit like a puzzle, a a game, you know, a a bit like a, a Monopoly game, except for this is, you know, this is real life. Unfortunately, though, the way that we have been conditioned in society and conditioned through school is that finances is all about maths. And a lot of people have really, really bad experiences of maths in school. And so because of that, they carry those beliefs through from school right through to time in their businesses. And because running a business isn't something that we've been trained for in school, it's very academic, obviously, with those core subjects. Very few people come into the world of business. And whilst they're brilliant at what they do, 
they are not very good at running businesses themselves. So they have to learn on the job. And presumably this is one of the key reasons why so many small business owners try to ignore their finances? Yeah, absolutely. They ignore it because it just brings up those horrible (laughs) memories of not really being very good at something, something being challenging, almost being the deliverer of bad news as well. So they stick their heads in the sand or they think that doing the money stuff is something that I'll do when I'm making money. And actually, if they concentrate on the money stuff, on the business outcomes right from the beginning, then they will be much more likely to succeed. So this propensity that so many people have to ignore their finances, what does that mean for their business? Fundamentally, it means that they are going about their business being blindfolded inside their business. Now, the thing about finances is whether somebody likes it or not, they have to do their finances at some point because, of course, they have to do it for their taxes. HMRC want it. So that is the stick. However, if you do finances more frequently, if you get more familiar, you fall in love with your finances, then not only is it much easier. It's that age-old elephant thing, isn't it? How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? If they do them much more frequently, then it becomes, first of all, a lot easier, but it is more of a carrot. You can then start to see what is possible from really paying attention to your finances. You can start to make little tweaks and pull levers and then focus on the things that are actually going on in your business. So the actual doing the business and you can do things that make you good money with ease and that you love and that you get a lot of impact and enjoyment from and you stop doing the stuff that's not working. And this was one of the things that was so great about lockdown for a lot of our clients is it made them stop and look at what was and wasn't working. Now for some of our clients who had a physical presence and an online presence, suddenly with the physical being halted or frozen, taken away, they could see what that part of their business was doing against what the online part of their business was doing. And they were, instead of it all kind of being lumped together in one big pot, they could then start to go, okay, my business was not dependent on that or that bit really dragged my business down. And then you can start to make some really savvy decisions. And what we found was that some clients who had, say, physical shops or something like that, were actually less profitable running that alongside an online business and then realized that they made more money and worked less when they did less. So they only concentrated on one aspect of the business. And lots of businesses have different sales streams, different expenses areas. So when you start to break down and look on a granular basis about what's going on, you can see what's working and what's not. So it's like, it's really like shining a light, shining a magnifying glass onto your business and then making good decisions thereafter. And it's so important to do, isn't it? Otherwise, it's just too easy. You mentioned expenses there as well as revenue generating activities. It's so easy to get to the end of a period and think, where's all my money gone? (laughs) And then you start to dig in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's the cash that shouts the loudest. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And to me, what you're talking about, this real digging into the finances and spending time actually doing something that maybe you don't want to do. But ultimately, once you get into it, normally you start to kind of get that hunger to do it more often because of the results that it brings. I just feel like that is common throughout so many different areas of business, like selling activities as well. I was on a call just now and we were doing lead generation 
So we were forced, on this call forced, but <laughs> literally we were timed to go and do lead generation, to, to follow up in the social media, to follow up in emails, etc. And I haven't done it for ages because I've been running around all over the country. And instantly I've had two responses from people and one message that I hadn't even seen because it came in on the same day as Adventures in Marketing from somebody saying, can you tell me about your memberships? Because I want to join and I want to recommend them to my clients. Ah, <laughs> okay. So wow. finances, sales, whatever it is, once we get into the detail, it becomes so worthwhile, doesn't it? It really does. And it's like a muscle. You exercise, you get that muscle memory. It becomes more easier. It become, You become stronger. It's like, I know you like going to the gym. It's the first time that you walk into the gym and you go, oh my goodness, what do all of these machines do? Everyone's doing it better. People will think I'm silly. I'm not very strong. Am I wearing the right clothes? And then you start to find things in the gym that you like and you know how to use the equipment and you can get an instructor to show, make sure you've got good form, make sure that you're using the right weights for you. Then, you know, with that familiarity, you want to use it more often. You start seeing the results. You start meeting other people and having conversations in the gym. So all of a sudden, that stepping back into the gym becomes a thing of joy rather than a thing of torture. And finances are exactly the same. It's no different. But if it's something that we only bring out once a year and do, and then we get a tax bill from it, there's no fun in that at all. None. <laughs> there's not really any gain. So I have an accountancy practice as well as the coaching organization. And there is a direct correlation between the profitability of the people who do their finances frequently and those who leave it to the last minute. And I'm not sure what's more disheartening. Somebody who realizes that you know he's got a large tax bill at the end of the year or somebody who realizes that he's got no tax bill because actually he's not made any money. You know, you don't actually want to be in either of those situations. No. You never want surprises. And quite often we'll see people that have had profitable businesses but because they haven't done their finances, they haven't taken any opportunity to reduce those profits. They probably spanked all the cash as well. And they're just in a really rubbish situation. So there's, there's just so many reasons to keep on top of it all. And you said there the difference between somebody who saves it all up for once a year or works on their finances frequently. How would you define frequently? How often should we be looking at this stuff? So I think that the answer to this is that it needs to constantly be ticking over. But when you're ambitious and you're growing your business, you don't want to be down in the weeds of doing your record keeping. So you want somebody on it and it doesn't have to be expensive. So somebody just needs to be keeping that ticking over all the time, making sure things are recorded on a regular basis. And then, so we have a Money Monday where we encourage people to just spend somewhere about 20 minutes to an hour looking at their finances every Monday. So that's before the week has really started going. And, you know, then they get caught up in all of the other kind of doing stuff. So that's all ticking along nicely. And then you want a period where you regularly look at the same things. Now, when we see our finances, we just see a whole load of numbers. But actually, inside each business, there is probably only between three to five things that you need to look at to keep everything on track. So if you're making the system of recording as automated as possible, 
using bank feeds, you are using something like Xero or some other cloud software, so QuickBooks or Sage online, something like that. And then you have somebody just kind of doing all the little bits for you. That's enough for it to come to you once a month. And then you have a look at it and you check in and see how your profit is. You may have had a new campaign and you want to see what the sales are. Although I do recommend that you look at your sales every week and kind of benchmark how you're tracking against your goals. So little snippets of jobs you do at different times of the month. And particularly if you know you are setting goals, which I recommend that everybody should be, and you are forecasting, then um, you know you want to see how you're you're doing, and that's when it gets exciting. That's when you can take action. You know, maybe like you were saying, going out and getting those leads if things have been a little bit slack. But also, you can then start to think about what you don't want to be doing. You know, what jobs are kind of just not worth your effort. So actually, taking your foot off the gas in other areas. That sounds good. Freeing up some time. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And one thing about time is I know that so many people leave their finances to the evenings or to the weekends. And then it becomes a chore that they are doing is cutting into their free time when maybe they're knackered and their, you know, time with their family or time out with their friends or doing whatever it is that they love. And so actually by carving out time inside of your working hours to do it means that it's not a personal chore. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So let's say if I'm a business owner, I've been ignoring my finances or maybe not paying them as much attention as I might have been. Where should I start in terms of trying to get on top of things? So there's kind of two things that we want to look at, first of all. is First of all, you must have heard loads of things, particularly like on social media about money mindset. Money mindset is massively a thing because Whilst we can be told in like, you know, business courses, you've got to do a profit and loss, or you've got to do a cash flow forecast, you've got to plan, you've got to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Actually, there are usually reasons why we don't do this. So it's good about digging in and going, what is about this that makes me feel so uncomfortable? And what's really interesting is in my coaching group in the Business Money Revolution, we have people who are really, really ambitious, but for some reason, they're not achieving their goals. When we start digging around into the money mindset, we realize that they've come from a family who perhaps the kind of narrative was that rich people are greedy or rich people are not nice people. And so whilst they want their business to do well, they want to be kind of financially well and they want to start creating wealth. There's this kind of block in them that means that they start to sabotage when things go well, or they, you know, actively avoid looking at their finances to make sure that things go well. So if you can start digging into that, and there's loads online about money mindset, that can kind of set you up as a really nice foundation for being able to go ahead into the future and start turning your business around. So that's you. Then we've got the kind of more system side of the business. So first of all, it's about making it really, really easy for yourself. And that's by automating as much as you can. So making sure that you always have a business bank account that is separate from your own. You have all of your invoices and all of your payments going in and out of that bank account. So everything's contained really, really nicely. So it's not so much to go through. That has an automated feed going into your software. So something like I said before, like Xero, QuickBooks, and then you invoice from that system. So again, you're just cutting down the number of times that you're duplicating the same task. When you record it on something like that, you can then see very easily who owes you money. So it's about just setting up those fundamental cheap systems. The 
zero monthly cost is only about 30 quid. And I've met people who, you know, who've been using Excel and making life extremely hard for themselves. And they're going, oh, I don't really want to spend 30 quid on my business. And, you know, it feels like a waste of money. If you're worried about spending 30 quid on zero, that is actually the least of your problems. You know, it's like you're in business, you're showing up. So start taking your business systems seriously. And also... I always relate it back to how much is my own time worth? Totally. I would like to pay myself £30 a month to not have to do the stuff that Zero does for me. <laughs> ah, yeah. I don't do my own bookkeeping, you know, yeah. for the practice. I don't do it myself. Obviously, we have people in there. I look at the reports, but I don't do it myself. I don't believe that anybody who is not an expert bookkeeper yeah. should be doing it themselves. Apart from anything, you can't see the wood for the trees. But the other point that I wanted to make was actually the government, HMRC, are going on this campaign of making tax digital, and we've already seen it for some things like VAT, is actually everybody is going to have to report in a digital way. So it's coming. It's one of the good things that the government have actually done. Yeah. So it's just like, let's just adopt it and embrace it. And interestingly, in the practice, we won't take anyone now unless they do use those systems because it's a complete waste of time for everybody. Yep. That makes complete sense. Okay, so let's talk about results that you've seen because I know that you work with clients big and small. And what are some of the results or possibilities that you have seen open up for business owners who do take these steps and start paying attention to their finances versus those who don't? Well, oh my goodness, there's so many really amazing stories. I suppose one of my favorites is a lady that I have been coaching now for about three years in the marketing industry. And in that time, she has been able to quadruple her turnover. And her turnover before was, you know, it was it was six figures and it was nice. She always knew it was important. So we didn't have necessarily a money mindset thing to overcome. But it was in balance with everything else that was going on. She just wanted to make sure that she was looking at what mattered and she had her system set up and then that she could make the right decisions for her business. Now, these decisions generally aren't finance decisions, they're operational decisions, but we use the finances to help give us answers. So it's about whether a new client is a good client, it's about expansion with people power and the right way to do that, whether that's an employment or a subcontract type arrangements. It's about also, and this is my favorite bit probably, is about aligning personal goals with business goals and making sure that the business goals feed in to the personal goals. And, you know, across all of the clients, we've seen clients be able to buy the house of their dreams because suddenly their business is generating enough capital for a lovely deposit, but also showing that it can support a larger mortgage. We've seen people be able to work less in their business and do the things that they really love because they're not physically stuck to a geographical space and they're able to operate their business from a distance. We've seen businesses set up. So a potential model is that somebody's selling something online piecemeal and actually sets up a subscription model for them. So suddenly they're not having to find new customers every month. Um, starting from scratch, they are you know, getting that semi-passive income coming in and then really 
with that particular example, they're really beginning to get creative about their business again because they felt less like a conveyor belt. I think that's something that we underestimate often as business owners is how freeing it can be not to have to worry about finances and how much of an impact that alone can have on your business and your progress. Absolutely. We want to turn things on its head because I think we carry the weight of our businesses on our backs when they're not going well, particularly if they're struggling financially. And actually, businesses should be set up to support us. They should be giving us financial freedom Or if it's not, that it's conscious. I mean, actually, my team and I, we were talking about a particular client who has had astronomical growth in their business. You know, we're talking multiple seven figures in their business. And we were actually saying that they love their business so much. It's their hobby, but also it's quite easy for them as well. So understanding that not everybody wants to build a business that they can, you know, go off and sit on a desert island somewhere. It is their passion and they do love being involved in it. So then it's just about making it easy and making sure that if there comes a day, which, you know, there will be, that this business can survive without them because it's going to be sold or something like that, because you don't want to grow a business that's wholly reliant on you. And that if they do want to take some time out, they know that the business won't suffer for them not being in it. So one of my trademarks is ever ready exit. Lots of people don't really think about this when they're building a business. But if we build a business to one day sell, we're having two bites of the cherry. We're getting a a profitable business that gives us a really nice financial reward each month. But then also we're creating an asset that is independent from us and that we can eventually sell to somebody else for a lump sum at the end. That's super exciting. There's loads of super exciting bits in this. I get excited about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so for people who are listening to this and thinking, okay, I can hear that you're excited, Deb. I can feel or I can understand the logic of focusing on my finances in the way that you've described. But how on earth do I justify to myself spending the time on doing this rather than one of the other trillion things that are on my to-do list? What would you say to somebody like that? I would say, think about what it is that you want. So do you want to be earning, you know, a six-figure income from this business? And if you're not, then you have to ask yourself why. If you are, keep doing everything that's on the to-do list because, you know, you're obviously kind of doing things pretty, pretty right. But if you're not, then actually probably what you're doing right now isn't serving you. So I think when we are not where we want to be in business and we are not where we want to be financially or things are a lot slower, actually, we need to take our foot off the gas and go, right, where am I? And that's the bit where we start to go, you know, with this phrase, you manage what you measure. What is it I need to be measuring to get to where I want to go? And I visualize finance in terms of roadmaps and levers. You know, it's about knowing what it is that we want at the end of it or, you know, at different milestones along the way. And then it's also about going, well, what levers do I need to pull to get there? But the surefire thing is if we just approach every day is endless to-do lists and tasks, we're pretty much just on a hamster wheel. Absolutely. And I don't know about you, but every so often and not necessarily related to finances, but when I just have a little bit of headspace to sit back and think, 
about all the things that I'm doing in business and what I'm enjoying, what's working for me, what I wish I had time to do more of, what I wish I didn't have to do so much of. Sometimes I get to that point and I think, right, it's time to burn everything to the ground, like rip up the lists, (laughs) whatever, rip up the plan and just rethink everything. And that to me is really exciting. And I feel like that's something people could do with their finances. Yeah, that is really true. I think we don't want to burn everything because the chances are that you've made good inroads with something. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and one entrepreneur said they had like a three horse race and they set three things running to see which one would actually start to take the clear lead and then they pull the others back. So I think that's kind of what you're saying. I think there is a tendency amongst entrepreneurs also who struggle with long-term consistency and quite often don't stay in the game for long enough, actually. If we think that successful business is a bit like a hockey stick, you kind of got the dip before it rises again. What sometimes I see is entrepreneurs, they've just come through the struggle of a dip and instead of riding it until they're kind of on that upward trajectory, they just find a new idea and they start that one again. And so they're permanently on that little dip of a hockey stick and it, it just becomes circular. So it's really about knowing when is the right time to throw the towel in or when is the right time to persevere with things. And we can only tell what's worth persevering if we start to use data that's inside the business. Yes. I always remember Carrie Green has a phrase of the Female Entrepreneur Association about don't quit too early. You know, I think that's what you're describing there. Oh, totally. And also observing Lisa Johnson, who is running her Race to Recurring Revenue Challenge as we record this. She has run that challenge for how many years now? Four? Four or five, anyway. It must be four or five, I think. Yeah. And it's the same, like, rinse and repeat, and she sticks with it, and it delivers every year, and she knows her metrics. And she just is on it and you don't see her giving up to go off on a tangent, do you? She doesn't. What she also does is after the launch, she analyzes everything, Yes, what's worked. So whilst it's cookie cutter, each launch has a slight variation. So like last year, I think they paid affiliates a tiny amount for every lead. This year, not doing it because it drove the wrong behaviours. One of Lisa's values is integrity, and it didn't match with that. But you've got to try. So instead of burning down the house, it's about, you know, just making these odd tweaks here and there, looking at what the data shows, knowing that if our conversion rates is 7% or 2% or whatever, and we didn't get the results we wanted, but we've got to go bigger. No, but also if we're looking at audience, Are we fishing in the right ponds? Is our audience the kind of person who's going to buy from us? And it's just that testing. And again, that's the gamifying element of it, particularly when it comes to things like Facebook ads, you know, the little tweaks. And (laughs) Let's not go there. That's an episode in itself. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's tweaking and getting familiar, isn't it? And, And in a physical shop, you know, there's all sorts of theories about buyer behavior. And you'll know that if you put something in, say you've got a shop that's got a circular route around it, you'll know that people come in and typically turn left. You'll know that products that are on the center console are most likely those ones to be bought. So, you know, you can position stock and you can position different products with different margins quite strategically. And so you can have fun in a physical shop 
to see how you can shift what needs to be shifts. I mean, supermarkets do this all the time, don't they? They're the experts, aren't they? They're the yeah. real experts. And as small businesses, we can learn from what we do. And then by looking at the finances, we can go, oh, look what happened to the sales of that line when we moved it. Yes. So, you know, next time, that's what you want to be doing. We want to find the equivalent of the cream eggs at the checkouts right now, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. You have shared so much today, Deb. Thank you. Thank you for your time. (laughs) That was a pleasure. And just to finish off then, let's talk about your business Mm -hmm. and what are you going to be focusing on? Because I know that things are changing all the time. The online space is changing constantly. You work with entrepreneurs. Our businesses change constantly. What's happening in your world? What are you focusing on in the near future? So in the practice, we are focusing on organizations who want to create impact. So we are going through our B Corp affiliation registration. Ah, Great. We won the most sustainable accountant in the UK in 2016. So this is a value that we've held for a super, super long time. Oh, wow. And over that time, we have curated a client base that, you know, has its roots in its kind of values again. So we've got really exciting expansion plans. So we're always looking for clients who share those values and also clients who want to do really well and who want to see their accountants as people who can help them with their finances and not just be kind of necessary evils at the end of the year. (laughs) And so we're also holding like in-house strategy days for our clients. And we held the first one in the beginning of this month, actually, and it was amazing. And then in Raised Up, fundamentally, we concentrate on two things. One is the group coaching program and um, getting some phenomenal results from that and really seeing people with amazing ideas suddenly starting to really make a difference in the results that they're getting from them. But also, you know, keeping it real, when business does get hard for them, them feeling that they're totally supported to a place where they will come back into a great space again. And then we also host our retreat. This will be our third year and that's in October. And I'm really looking forward to deliver an epic program, which really leaves people feeling like they can conquer the world. Great. So good to hear about all the different ways. And I think what you said there about even when business isn't going too well, knowing that you are fully supported, that is such an important aspect as a founder and a business owner. Absolutely. I've been in this game now for over 20 years. I've never say never, obviously, because I never saw COVID, but you know, there's not really much that I haven't seen in one iteration or another. It's such a pleasure to be able to draw from that experience. I think I've got something that can help you here. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and experience on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Where is the best place for people to find out more about you, Deb? So my website is www.raisedup.finance. So that's raised with a D on the end, raisedup.finance. Or you can email me, deb at raisedup.finance. And I'm on uh, Instagram and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Brilliant. Well, thank you again. And I will speak to you very soon. Yeah, thank you. Take care. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Audience Growth Podcast. I hope you feel more excited about your finances after hearing Deb's tips today. What are you going to implement first? 
I'd love to hear. Drop me a DM on Instagram and let me know. I'm at Nikki Hutchison on there. And while you're there, make sure you connect with Deborah too. She's at raisedup.finance. We'll be back again soon with another episode of the podcast for you. So until then, take care and keep marketing. Keep marketing.